Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, as I empty myself out, Father, that you would fill me to the overflowing, Father, living waters, Lord, your living waters, Father. Father, we've come into this house seeking a word and a a growth and wisdom and knowledge from you, Lord. And so we open up ourselves now, Father, to hear a word from you, Lord. Father, speak in this house, Lord. May we leave here better than how we came in. May we leave here charged up, Father, and ready to face all the things that come to us in life, Lord, that we can face them through Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for your glory, Lord. We thank you for your glory. And we praise you and we give you all the glory goes to you, Jesus. All the glory goes to you, Jesus. So as we set our minds and we set our hearts, we say, body, calm down. We say, peace be still to our minds. And Father, we shall receive from you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I, I've truly been enjoying the teaching on Bring Back the Glory, and I've truly been enjoying um, Pastor and, and uh, giving us an explanation of the glory of God, and I thank God for his glory. And sometimes I think that we don't um, dig deep enough, or we, oh, we read something and we just kind of read over it. And, and I went back to Genesis. And I just began to read. Now you read this on your own time because I'm just going to kind of go through it. But when we get the first glimpse of the glory of God in Genesis 1, 1 through 31, this is when we get the first glimpse of the glory of God. This is when you have God step into nothingness. See, our minds don't even understand nothingness. Because we're always talk, thinking and moving in something. So we don't even comprehend nothingness. But you have a God that stepped into nothingness. And he came in, in the molecules and the eons and the, 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 the uh, atoms and all of the things that bring body together. He called them forth. He created them and brought them together. And there was a mass that was there. And, and the Word of God says that he brooded over it, that he, he, he just laid over it, he brooded over it, he studied it, he watched it. Mmm, mm, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is not enough. Jesus, Holy Spirit, this, this, this is not enough. And so he began to form the earth that we now live in. He began to separate uh, the earth from the heavens and, and he pulled it apart in the heavens and the earth and, and then he called the water to come and gather into a place and, and he laid borders. He laid borders so that the water didn't overrun these borders. They stayed in a place because he said, stay there. Be here, and the seas came about, and, and, and he's watching, and he's saying, this is good, this is good. And in his heavenlies, and if you haven't read it, you have to understand that it was water, and he put water here, and he put water here, a covering over the earth. And he said, I'm going to set a day and a night, and he put a moon, the lesser light for the evening, and the greater light for the day so he could mark days and seasons. And now we have 
a day, and a night, a month, a week, 24 hours, a minute, calling time itself into existence. And then he says, all this beauty, um, but I see no vegetation. So he called forth vegetation. And I love this because he said vegetation came forth. But each vegetation that came forth was bearing seed after its own kind. Wow. Each blade of grass, each flower, each tree, everything had seed in it after its own kind. And he said, this is good. This is pleasant. This is good. Then he looked at his seeds and he said, come forth. And I loved it because one version says, and even the sea monster, the great fish came forth and all of the everything that was in the sea. And if you learn that it's taken years, even now they're discovering new species in the sea, in the depths of the sea. So he, he called forth everything, those that could live in the upper realm of the water and those that could live and move around the very bottom of the sea, the deepest depth of the sea, that the pressure would not crush them, but that they could live in the sea. And then he called forth the great beast of the earth and they came forth. And he looked at these and he said, hmm, that's good. That's good. And he's standing and he's looking at all of his beautiful creation. Can you imagine, just, just imagine in your mind's eye, before anything was corrupt, how beautiful a flower must have been? Can you imagine how green and luscious a tree must have been? I mean, we're looking at everything from a fallen state. We're not looking at everything from the beginning state, the state that it was meant to be in. The perfection of it, it still has its perfection in it, but there's a lacking of it now because of where we're at. Can you imagine? I mean, colors. We see colors now, but I don't think that we've seen colors the way that colors can truly be the vibrance of color, the beauty the beauty of color and how it reflects off the light and how crystals reflect off the light and you see all the beautiful color and all the pretty things that God created. Now go with me. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 26 and 27. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as he's looking at everything and he said, this is fitting, this is pleasing, this is nice, I like this. We can be here. We like this. It's beautiful. The stars in the heavens, the moon, the sun in the day, how beautiful this is. But there was something lacking there. And so he says to the Holy Spirit and to his son, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beast, and over all the earth, and everything that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God. He created him, male 
and female. He created them. Now let's go down to 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good, suitable, pleasant. And he approved it completely. And there was evening and there was morning and the sixth day. I want you to know that he didn't say it was very good until after man was created. Everything was good. It was pleasing. It was suitable. But what was it suitable for? And when God created man, you have to understand that in man, in man was the seed of woman. See, you got to look at this. We're talking about the glory of God. We're talking about how glorious he is. And, And I think the first glimpse that you get of the glory of God is when you look around you. Have, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Amen. I mean, you, you cannot stand at the edge of that and look at the vastness and the beauty of it and not understand that God is glorious. His glorious creation. You cannot stand on a clear day in this valley and gaze at the mountains and the majestic of the blues and the browns and the greens and the sun shining off of them. You cannot stand there and you cannot miss the glory of God. You cannot walk. When I first moved up here in that year, it was just the perfect balance of rain and dryness. And I drove out the the 14 and I looked up into the hills and it was covered you couldn't see not one piece of the mountain that wasn't covered with glorious purple and orange and blue flowers. And it was glorious to just stand there and look at that and say, that's nobody's garden but God's. That just came up. That just happened. It's there. It's part of the glory of God, part of what he gave to us, part of what he called forth to us. You cannot go into a zoo and look at all the majestic, beautiful animals, how different and yet the same they are, how they move. A giraffe, how does a giraffe hold its head up? And then how does it bend down to drink or eat without passing out? How glorious is God? How glorious is God? Why does a rhinoceros look like a tank, like he's got armor on, an armadillo, like they have armor on? How does a sloth live? They move so slowly. Have you ever just taken the time to study the beauty of God's creation? I think we miss the glory of God because we are so busy and we are so caught up into what we have to deal with in life itself that we don't stop and look at the beauty of God. And I'm, I'm always blessed that my honey, he, my, he, he takes the time to see beauty. So we can be walking and it can be a concrete jungle and he will find a flower popping up somewhere. And say, oh honey, look how beautiful that is. Just take the time to look at that. Look how beautiful that is. Have you ever looked at a butterfly? 
from a caterpillar that crawls on the ground that goes into a cocoon and weaves this thing for itself. And then it begins to break itself out and it spreads those glorious wings and all the beautiful colors, majestic hues all over it. The glory of God. We can see his glory in his creation of this world. We would go camping and we would sit and one was this uh, Huntington Lake, I believe it was, and it's, it's like 8,000 feet up and it's, and you, and you go and we all got out and, and the moon wasn't out so the stars were so vibrant that you could sit on a log out there and you can literally track satellites going across the sky. And you looked at the sky and you could literally see the Milky Way. The beauty of stars and the constellation. All of these things reflect the glory of God. And I don't think that we should negate what God has given us. It is beautiful. Take the time to see the beauty of what God has given us. Amen? But I want you to know that when God created the world and then he created man, man was his crowning glory to the world. Do you understand that? That was like, I did all of this. Now, what am I going to crown it with? What am I going to crown this with? What am I, what am I going to put into this wonderful environment and crown it with? And he crowned it with man. And in man was the seed of woman. And so he brought woman out of man, formed her, gave her to man, and she became his crowning glory. Now, hear me this with this. It's, a crown and its crowning glory, but not greater than God. But not greater than God. Because who was placed in the grounding, in the garden? The man. Now the woman, the crowning glory of man, because how many of you know that when a man has a woman and he's proud of his wife, he wears her like a crown. He wears her like a crown. When you see a man that has a relationship that's right with his wife, when he takes his wife, you can tell that he is proud of this woman. This is mine. She is the final accessory to who he is. Not greater than him, but for him and him for her. Because he would not be without her and she definitely would not be without him. Because he needs her to bring forth his seed. And she needs him to bring forth her seed. Intricately wound together. This ought to tell you something about the Garden of Eden and the beauty and the glory of it. That man could literally walk in the garden and be in the glory of God. And have that time and that relationship with God. Touching his glory, manifesting his glory in the relationship that God gave him with a husband and a wife. How beautiful is that? So he gave us his crowning glory. He gave that to man. Not greater than, but we do have his glory. We had it in the garden. We touched it. We lived it. We were it. My God. Then came the fall. And everything, everything that they possessed the glory of God 
that they possessed because you see they did not even know they were naked because they were covered and dressed in the glory of God. Do you understand that they were dressed in the glory of God? No conception of sin perfectly formed for him. For him. He created the earth. He wanted relationship. Love. He wanted relationship. So he was not stingy with his glory. He placed it upon man. They didn't even know they were naked. They didn't even know. They walked, they lived. It was natural. It was normal to them to be, live, and have, and share in the glory with God. It was a natural being. It was a natural state of their mind. It was a natural state of their being. And when the fall came, suddenly the glory lifts. And they look and they're, (gasps) and instead of being God conscious, they became self conscious. Instead of possessing, walking, moving, having their being, viewing and seeing the true glory of God, living and having the true glory of God, now they became ashamed. Now they viewed everything with a skew across them. They they viewed it negatively. They didn't view it in the way that they did before. Now it was something to be used to hide themselves. Oh, God. It was something used to hide themselves. And so we see glimpses of his glory. We see glimpses of it. Let me backtrack real quick. He had to move him out of the Garden of Eden because they could not allow him to stay in the Garden of Eden and to live forever in that state. Because God desires so much to have relationship with us that he was willing to move them out of the Garden of Eden. He had to move them out of the Garden of Eden because he could not allow them to stay in that state because they were no longer connected to God. They had put a separation between themselves and God, no longer able to touch the glory. We need to understand this. I really need you to understand this because God has done great things for us. Amen? Amen. So they had full consciousness of who they were. Amen? And now we see glimpses of God wanting to have that relationship with man because he speaks through his prophets. He begins to, I'm sorry, I want to do that there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God wants that relationship because after all, we were created for that relationship. Were we not? We were created. That is why as human beings, we long for the relationship with one another because it is in our DNA. It is how we were made. It is our makeup. We were not meant to be alone. We were not meant not to have friends. That's why the worst punishment that you could ever give anybody is to put them in solitary confinement, to make them be alone. God didn't want to be alone. That, to me, that amazes me. He didn't want to be alone. He wanted a family. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they wanted a family. They wanted relationship. They wanted someone that could relate to them and he could relate to them. So it's giving and taking and taking and giving and giving and taking and taking and giving. 
And now we are so far removed from his glory and understanding his glory and living in his glory that we are so far removed from it that it is hard for us to even comprehend what his glory is. It is hard for us to comprehend what his glory means. We don't even have a good solid definition of it because your mind goes all over the place. Because see, the first time you say glory, you look at it in the way the world talks about glory in the negative sense that, oh, you just want all the glory. You just want to be all that. You know, you just want this and you just, you, you put it as a, a, a bad thing, a, a self, uh, uh, it's all about me thing. And it's not. It's not. Because if it was, then God wouldn't have created the world. He wouldn't have put man and woman in it, and he wouldn't have given it to them, and he wouldn't have shared his glory with them. So it's not a bad thing. The world and the enemy will tell you it's a bad thing because he doesn't want you to tap that place of your thinking. He doesn't want you to have that kind of relationship and power in your life. doesn't want you to have it. And so we struggle to define it in its proper sense and its proper wording when it comes to us and where we are at as Christians. And the Bible was not written for sinners. It was written for us. It was written for us so that we could walk in the glory of God. It was given to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see it with Moses. You see it with the prophets, and then you see a quiet time where there's not a lot going on with God. They're, they're just moving and buying and selling and doing their thing as we are now. And it seems people say, well, where's God? How come he's not fixing this? How come God is not doing this? How come God is not doing that? And you have people that are very against God, and they don't even want you to mention his name in their presence. You cannot say the name of Jesus. They don't want it. They don't want it at all. Because when you mention the name of Jesus, glory comes. You ever wonder about that? Glory comes. The light of his glory comes and it repels those that do not know him because they cannot stand in the light of his glory. And so they hate you for it. And you see it happening more and more and more and darkness permeating more and more and more. And when there's more darkness, there's more light. And when the light comes and it shows on the darkness, darkness doesn't like it, does not like glory in any way. He wants a perverted glory. It must be perverted in order for the enemy to move. It must be perverted. So we've got to come to a place where we understand that we cannot live in this perverted thinking of glory. We cannot deny the glory of God. And you deny it so many times because you're thinking, well, you know, God doesn't share his glory. I heard somebody say that one time and I was like, that's not what I read. That's not what I read. Because you see, when Jesus came, he came to set up a new covenant. He came to set up a new relationship. He came to set up a different way of viewing the Father. He came to bring us back to oneness with God. And as Pastor has told us in previous teaching, glory of God is oneness with God. The glory of God is oneness with God. That is his glory. We want to make it some strange thing. And it's some, it's beautiful. It's obtainable. It's ours. 
It came through the new covenant. So when Jesus came, he began walking out and he began teaching and he began bringing people back to a true relationship with God. He first, we had to be shown our sin, thus the Ten Commandments. You have to understand what sin is. It's not to condemn you. It's to help you move away from that area to this area to keep yourself from dying and going to hell, to keep you from moving in a direction towards God, towards his glory. But it took time to bring the human race to make that complete turnaround that they would come to the place that they would receive his glory. Oh, God. And so through the new covenant, Jesus said, I come that you may know him, not know of him. There is a difference. Like Pastor was saying in previous teaching, I know you. Hi, how you doing? Okay, but I know him. Different levels of knowing. They were on a knowing from the outside of the wedding chamber. But now Jesus has moved us to the knowing from inside the wedding chamber. My God. My God. Do you want that? I want that. Oh God. The glory of God is to know God, to receive the fullness of him. That's a statement. That means to have intimacy, union, oneness with him. That means to have intimacy with him, to be intimate with a person. You are not intimate with everybody you meet, nor should you want to be. But we should have an unquenchable desire within us to be one with our Father, to be one with Jesus. There should be such a desire within us. And he tells us something, you have to stir that up. Just like you have to stir up the love and the relationship in a marriage. And you have to be creative at times. And you have to say, you know what, I'm going to make up my mind. We are going to have a romantic relationship. We are going to make this thing work. You have to have that same determination when it comes to seeking God. You have to have that same desire in your heart for him. To desire him. To need him. To want him. To seek him out. To worship him. To lay before him. To go into his presence, to sing praises to him, to fall in love with him every day. Then one way of doing that is, I love it, is to behold the glorious beauty of his creation. You cannot live in this world and not see the beauty of his creation. So one way to, to touch that place is just one, just walk outside in the morning and just look at all that he has allowed you to build and accomplish. And you see the gloriousness of his being. And he wants to be one with us. He wants to know everything about you so that you understand he already knows it. So you're free to just talk to him about everything about you. And he wants you to hear everything about him. Now I'm going to interject something here. That comes from the preaching and the teaching of the word. That's a way that it comes to you where you begin to understand who God is and you begin to build the oneness with God. Now I tell you, when you accept Jesus as your personal savior, then everything that was in Christ that raised him from the dead is now in you. You got that? 
Everything that was in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead is now in you. That life-giving power, that eternal life power resides in you. Glory entered into you. At that moment, glory entered into you. Now, where is your level of glory? Your level of glory has to do with your level of relationship with the Father and the Son. So he says, I've set pastors and I've set teachers and I've set prophets before you that you would come to a place that you could begin to understand what relationship is all about. That is our job. Our job is not to come and pick you up and drive you all over town and be there for you to, you know, I can never forget one time coming home from church and somebody called us and wanted us to go back to church to get their baby sippy cup. Not our job. Not our job. Our job is to give our time for prayer, fasting, seeking his face. Prayer, fasting, seeking his face. Prayer, fasting, seeking his faith. Birthing out for you. Birthing out. What God has for you. Because you see, if all time is given to other things and no time is spent seeking his face and seeking him out, then we have nothing to give you. Because we are nothing without him. We are nothing without him. Nothing. Your job is to study his word, to come in, and then what you have read and what you have studied will bear witness to what God has given us and what God has poured into us, and then they will come together. And then it will go up. And then he will come down. Oh, God. Oh, God. We have got to get past this surface level of living. We have got to dig deeper. We have got to come to a place where you are functioning in the way that God called you to function, and we are functioning totally in the way that God called us to function, and that we can come together. And not only will the glory begin to manifest and rise up within us, we will begin to see the glory fall in the house. We will begin to see the tangible move of God in the house. Because how many of you know when the glory of God is truly pleasant, present and it is permeating from you and it is permeating from us and we are bringing it together and it's dunamis power coming to dunamis power and it comes together that it brings the glory of God himself into the house and then God begins to do miracles. God begins to do healings. We begin to move and function in all the things that Jesus said that we could move and function in. He said greater works shall you do. Oh come on. Greater works shall you do. You know why? Because Jesus came and he walked out his life laying out a pattern for you to follow so that you can have the same relationship with the Father God. Oh, God, that you could have the same relationship with the Father God that he has. That's amazing to me. I was sitting there and I was reading. I was like, that's amazing. We look at Jesus like some strange thing. And only he was able to do this stuff because, you know, he was God manifested in the flesh. And after all, we're not God, but we're created after his image. Created them after his image, his likeness, who he is. So are we. 
who he is, he put into us that we could be and we could have our being in and through him. And Jesus said, John 1710, 1710, all who are mine belong to you. You have given them to me. So they bring me glory. You have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I'm going to go to the Amplified. My God. My God. All things are, all things that are mine are yours. All things that are yours belong to me. That's Jesus and the Father. And I am glorified in and through them. They have done me honor in them. My glory is achieved. Whoa. Whoa. Is his glory being achieved in you? I asked myself that question. I said, boy, Jesus, wait a minute. Is your glory, is your glory being approved and is it being manifested in me? Because see, this tells me he's not stingy. This tells me he's not holding nothing back from you. You'll know God as much as you want to know God. You'll have him as much as you want to have him. Because see, when Jesus came, he came in the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the fullness. When a glass is full, is there any room to put anything else in it? No. It's full. He came in the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So when he says, I give you all, I give you the Father, I bring to you that relationship, I teach you the fullness of God. Do you have to have any empty places in you? Do you have to have? You may have, and I'm not asking you if you do have. I'm asking you, do you have to have any empty places in you? No, you don't. He's telling you right here, no, you don't. No, you don't. I've given this to you. I love that. Go right above it uh, uh, to eight. For the uttered words that you gave me, I have given them, and they have received and accepted them. Have you received and accepted them? And have come to know positively and in reality to believe with absolute assurance that I came from your presence and they have believed and conceived that you did send me. Oh my God. Are you absolutely convinced? Is it a reality to you? Are you positively positive that he came to dwell in you? I mean, that's, that's a question, okay? I mean, I had to sit there for a few minutes, and I just kind of leaned back in my chair, and I was like, okay, wait a minute, you know. We read things, but we don't ponder them in our heart. Have you pondered this in your heart? That he's telling you, I have come to bring you the Father, that you could have him fully and wholly in you. And in doing that, I came to sanctify you so that you would be ready and prepared to receive him into you. God is good. 
You know why? Because I can't do it myself. Okay? I tried. It didn't work. Okay, I tried. I said, I'm not going to do that no more. I ain't going to cuss that boy out no more. I'm just not going to do it. And turn around and made me mad. I cussed him out again. I'm not going to get mad about that again. I'm just not going to do it. Turned around and did it again. I'm not going to eat all that food. I'm going to stop when I'm full. Turned around and did it again. Come on. I can't do it in myself. Okay. I need Jesus. I need the sanctifying power of Jesus. I need him in my life. I need him cleansing me. I need him sanctifying me. I need God to see me through him because if God is looking directly at me, I'm still walking in a fallen state in so many areas of my life because this flesh is still a fallen flesh and it likes to do what it wants to do. My spirit man wants to be with God and wants to commune with God and wants to have that relationship with him. But I am constantly pulled back by this flesh and I want to be pulled forward by my spirit man calling out to him and my flesh is constantly dragging me back to this fallen earth so I need Jesus to be the mediator between me and the father that I have a place where I can reach up and I can reach into the heavenly realm and pull into that fullness that God has put into me to activate what belongs to me in the first place through Christ Jesus oh my God I need him. He laid a pattern for relationship just as he was with the father so we can be with him and the father. And he left us the Holy Spirit to help point the direction to him. God. He gave us, I love this, he gave us a heavenly language because he knows what the flesh is like because he was in it. He knows how easy it is to get sucked in by your flesh. So he gave us the Holy Ghost with a heavenly language that we can commune with God outside of this flesh. Good God Almighty, that is heavy. Woo, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's the place you want to be. That's good. That's where you are at when the devil can't understand it. You don't understand it. Your spirit man and your heavenly father are having that commune time. That's that kind of time that you only have between husband and wife. Woo, that's that commune time. That's that close time. That's that feeling in that place where ecstasy is at. With you and your heavenly father. That's that place where you come out refreshed. Where you come out feeling loved. Where you come out with a touch that changes who you are, God. Because see, his glory will affect a change in you. The more of his glory that resides in you, the less sin can reside because it can't stand the place where Jesus dwells. It can't handle the light. It's like an atom bomb goes off inside of you and cleans out everything that the enemy is trying to do to you. That's the fullness of his presence. And we get to learn that because not only did he give us his last will and testament, he wrote it down. He sent the Holy Spirit to seal it to us. Oh, my God. He sent teachers and disciples and apostles to help teach it to you. 
so that you could gain a full understanding of who he is. Wow. Wow. So the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to the Father, the more glory comes, pushes out unbelief, junk. You begin to cast off things that used to hold you tightly. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like it's all your effort anymore. You just look around one day and you're like, wow, I don't want to do that no more. Wow, I want to please God. I want to spend time with him. I'm liking this. I'm not waking up sick and throwing up the next day. I'm not addicted to whatever it might be. He's delivered me. And how do we bring Jesus glory? Because he gave us his glory. We manifest his glory for others to see. We manifest his glory for others to see by your witness, by how you live, by how you talk, by how you dress. All the things that you do within yourself represents who Christ is. That's why I do not like hateful, mean people that say that they are Christians because I don't serve a God like that. Don't serve a God like that. Loving, love woos people in. I forget who gave the, the example. It was Creflo Dollar. I was watching him and he says, you know, you walk in a room with a kid and the kid don't want to have nothing to do with you because they don't know you, you know, and you just walk in the room. You say, oh, that's a pretty dress you got on. Oh, that is so pretty. And then you just, you come in, oh, your hair is just so lovely, darling. You're just so pretty. Oh, can you say that? Oh, that's such, you did that so good. And you'll see that kid. Oh, you seem to be a really nice young lady. Oh, just look at you. You dance so pretty. And oh, I like your hair. Oh, that's a pretty bow in your hair. And they just. Oh, I've seen you over there. You have such good manners. Oh, my goodness. Just look at you. I just think you're just gorgeous, me. And the next thing you know, they're all up under you. Out of love. We entreat people with the love of Christ. We entreat them with the love of Christ. Everybody wants to be loved. From the tiniest baby to the oldest person. Everybody wants to be loved. And we glorify God. We glorify our Savior through the love that resides in us. And you say, I don't know how to love like that. Read about him. Read about him. We read about him. Let's go to John 17, 19, maybe 19 to 23. I love this. This tells you about him giving his glory to you. And so, for their sake and on their behalf, I sanctify, dedicate, and consecrate myself. Now, he did that for you. All right? He did that for you. He consecrated himself for you. That they also may be sanctified, dedicated, and consecrated, made holy in the truth. How are you consecrated, dedicated, and made holy? Through the truth. You are not going to get it any other way. Through the truth. Through the truth that he died for you. Through the truth that he gave it all for you. Through the truth of his 
word for you. Amen? But I love this because you could stop and say, well, that was, you know, for the apostles and, you know, he did that for them. But I love this. Neither for those alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe and trust in, cling to, and rely on me through their words and their teaching. It wasn't just for the apostles. He put a prayer out that went far beyond. He loosed his words to come all the way to today, to me and to you. Wow. Wow. That they all may be one. God, let us be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may come to us so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. Take that and read that a few times when you get home and just kind of chew on that a little bit. They'll know us by our unity. They'll know us by our love. They'll know us by how we treat each other. I have given to them the glory. I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me. I have given to them the glory and the honor which you have given me. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me in order that they may become one and perfectly united that the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. That is powerful. That is powerful. That is a powerful statement right there. That is how the world will know that we are the beloved of God. That is how the world will know that Jesus actually is. And he is saying that we in him, even as he is in his father and the father in him, that we have now, he's opened up the vastness of who he is and he has come in and he has gathered us in and pulled us into him. Not covered us, but pulled us into him and him into us. That is powerful. That is powerful. That we could manifest the glory of God, that he freely gave glory to us. And what is the glory that he gave us? He gave us the Father. He bridged the gap. He bridged the gap. And now we are no longer like this. We know who you are. We hear from your prophets. We do all the sacrifices. We try to follow the Ten Commandments. We come and we make sacrifice. We bring the Lamb. We do all these things, the dove offering, the grain offering. We do all these things, and we know that you are God. But he did this. We know that you are God. We know who you are. We are one with you. So to have the glory is to know him, to desire him, to yearn, and to need him. All of him, not a portion of him, but all of him. Don't take pieces of God and piece him out. Take all. He gave it all for you. Take it all. We get to know his glory by being as close to Jesus as Jesus is to the Father. Mm. By becoming one with them. 
we become one. Seek to be one with God. Seek to be one with Him. Seek it out. It's already yours. All you got to do is open the gift. You have it in your hands. It's in you. Just open the gift. That's your part. Open the gift. Freely I have given. Freely receive. And then freely give. Freely he's given. Freely receive. And then freely give. That's why we're not afraid to give. In any capacity, we're not afraid to give. Oh God. Do you understand that the same power that resides in Jesus and it raised him from the dead now resides in you? He gave that to you. The dunamis power is yours. It belongs to you. You have that in you. So we, and I'm ending with this, so we can pray this. If you'd stand to your feet with me this morning, I want you to pray this with me. And you can pray this. You're free to pray this. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, glorify me with thyself. Bring every day more and more into bring I'm sorry, bring me, sorry. Every day more and more into oneness with you. So that I can bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. I love you guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Accept it in the beloved. We are accepted. Jesus, the Bible says we're accepted in the New Testament. That means we're not rejected. Many of us suffer from, have, have suffered from rejection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody faces rejection at one time or another. Yes, yes. Amen. Yeah. But we're accepted, he says. And I, sweetheart, I heard just not to belabor, but that word accepted in the beloved is the Greek word katuo or kakatuo. And accepted means highly favored. We are highly favored. Come on over here. In the beloved. And then he said, it's only mentioned one other place in the entire Bible. That, that Greek word cockatoo. Highly favored. Accepted. We are accepted. I'm not trying to be accepted. I am accepted. I'm not trying to get her to accept me. She's already accepted me. She married me. Amen. And she hasn't rejected me. The only other place it's mentioned in the Word of God is when the angel came to Mary and said, you are highly favored. You are highly favored. That's what I hear the Lord saying this morning. We don't know that we're highly favored. Amen. Wow. You are accepted. I don't care who rejects you. You're accepted. You're in. (laughs) You're in. You're in the in crowd. You're in. You're in. You're in. You're in. in. Now the devil's trying to get you out, but you're in. Amen. He put you in through the new birth. Amen. Oh, pray for us, first lady. 
You are such a blessing thank to you, us. How many thank God for the word that just comes through her? God, we give you praise for it. We give you glory. give you honor. Pray for us. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord. Make it more and more real to us, Lord, that we are highly favored, that we are accepted in you, Jesus. Father, I ask you to seal this word, Lord, to every person in here, Father. Let it be a a revelation of how much they are loved. And Father, may they leave here today, Lord, just full of who you are, full of the joy, full of the peace, full of the healing, full of the grace, full of the mercy, full of everything that you are, Lord. And Father, use us to be a light. Thank you, Lord, for sharing your glory with us, this people, Father. And Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to touch bodies this morning, Lord, those that are hurting and those that are wounded in any way, Lord, touch this morning, Father. Uh, Just move over them right now, Father, right where they're at, Lord, just touch right now, Father, that one that's believing Uh, for their loved one, Lord. I thank you for encouraging them, Father, and bringing forth, Father, that lost one to you, Jesus. I I pray that that one that's standing for a healing in their body, Lord, that you're touching even now, Lord, that you're moving even now, that the presence of your Holy Spirit just engulfs them, Father, and the glory of your word drives out anything that is trying to hurt or corrupt their body in any way, Jesus. And Father, I praise you and I thank you, Lord, that as we leave this service today, Father, and we go into the world yet again, Lord, that you would use us, Father, that your glory would be manifested in our everyday lives, Father, and that people will know because of us, Lord, that God did send you and that you are real. Oh, Father, manifest your glory through us, Father. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Confirm your word, Lord. Lord. Confirm your word. Confirm your word. Confirm your word. Hallelujah. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you said that you would confirm your word. Yes. Woman of God, just as the Lord moves you just in these final, final minutes, the Lord showing you anybody to pray for, if you need prayer, Holy Spirit, confirm today. Thank you, Jesus. You know that you're a confirming God. Mm-hmm. We just don't speak it, but God moves in power. Yes. Yeah. And God speaks to us. He's a prophetic God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you like prayer, just, just slip out. Yeah. I was going to have her come to you, but you can just slip out. Yeah. Confirm your word today, Lord. 